the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Difference Makers on True Talk 800. My name is Mike Lee, and I am privileged to be the Director of Local Ministries here at True Talk 800, 93.9 KPDQ, 104.1 The Fish, and 93.1 L Ray. And you can always contact me if you'd like to find out more about our upcoming Experience Israel trip and how you can learn about sponsorships, whether it's for Fish Fest or Reverend Tone. You can email me at Mike Lee at kpdq.com. That's M-I-K-E-L-E-E at kpdq.com. And I'm privileged to have a friend in the studio. His name is Jack Hafer, and he's one of the ministers at the South Salem Church of Christ on Ewald Avenue Southeast in Salem. And he's also one of the partners with Local Christian Men, which is a nonprofit group I'm going to ask you more about, Jack. You may have heard about them on Gospel Sing with Clark Hilton. That's 7 to midnight on Saturdays with some of the best gospel music around. And we're very excited that Sing 2015 is coming back to Willamette University at the Smith Auditorium from 7 to 9 on Saturday, June 6th. So welcome, Jack. How are you today? I'm great. Thanks for inviting me. This is just a real privilege to be here, and, and thank you. Well, I happen to really enjoy your company and also that of Marvin Stadley, who I originally met about these Sing concerts. So why don't we lead off talking about exactly who is Local Christian Men? Well, sure, and I wish Marvin could be here. He had another appointment, and else he would have been here as well. Um, we're just a group of Christian men, just that. We don't want to necessarily affiliate ourselves with the denomination. Just act as Christians and see what we can do to make a change in our community. And one of the ways happens to be the Sing concerts, right? Yeah, this is our fifth Sing. It was first... Uh, in 2011, and then now we're uh, in Sing 2015. And it's a unique experience where you get to be the participant in the event, where uh, often you go and you listen to other people sing or perform. This is the rare occasion where you as the audience get to sit in an auditorium with 800 other people and sing songs of praises to God. And so this is not a spectator's night for any means. Exactly. You are, you're going to come, and you're going to sing, and you're going to have a good time. So do people ever feel conscientious about singing in public? Well, I think at first they might, but once you get there and you realize that you're sitting to people just like yourself, some are old, some are young, some people can sing really well, some can't carry a tune in the bucket. But when we start singing that first song, and there's like I say, 800 voices lifting up in unison. Well, it's a moving event, and you just get carried away in it, and you're not concerned about yourself anymore. 
And you're fairly well versed on the subject of worship, but I do also want to let people know that we've got a Christian author, Bible teacher, vocalist, radio talk show host, and the leader of the Shout to the Lord Worship Workshops, as well as the Healing Broken Men Seminars. He'll be leading as the principal song leader, I guess, and his name is Tom T-Bone McGowan. He's also the president of Heartstrings Northwest, and that's the nonprofit group that hosts an annual singing conference in Seattle. So, Jack Haver, how did you meet up with Tom T-Bone McGowan in the first place? Well, I knew him from when I lived in the Seattle area, and Marvin was in Texas, first of all, and he was at a Christian conference where, in the evening, they had a singing where there were several hundred people, and he said, well, this is stirring. Then he was at Carolina, South Carolina, where they have uh, a thousand voices of light, where a thousand people get together. And so he said, I want to do something like this. And he knew Tom did something similar up there in the Northwest, Seattle area, Heartstrings. And he said, well, could you help us? And so Tom, being the servant that he is, he was more than glad to come down and help us launch our first sing. And that's how we got him involved originally. That's really neat. He seems like a a great charismatic guy, and I've personally been to your concerts before at Willamette University, and I've thoroughly enjoyed just being a part of that with my family and singing these good old-style hymns, a cappella style. Now, you're you're fairly well-versed on music, so could you give us a bit of the history of a cappella singing? Where did it find its roots? I'm curious. Okay, because a lot of people... They've never sang a cappella, and the word itself just means pertaining or out of or from the chapel, which is interesting because when you go back and look at the roots of Christian worship in the first century, they sang a cappella or without instrumentation. That's simply what it means today. They just sang with their voices. And it's interesting because that's what the Lord asked uh, us to do the words of Paul, he says, sing and make melody in your hearts, giving thanks to the Lord. And it's, when you say make melody, that's a word which comes with the idea of plucking an instrument. But as the word morphed into a more current uh, language, it meant to sing. And he's asking us to pluck the heartstrings of our heart. Because you see, if you, a guy is moved by what Christ has done for him, and his heart is wound tight with the love and gratitude and grace that the Lord has showed upon him. It's just natural for him to want to sing. Sing words of thanks and words of praise. So that's what the early church did. They sang. So did you always have a penchant for music yourself, Jack Hafer? Well, yeah. My family is a musical family. Played in the band, sang in the chorus. But mostly just, again, Singing in our worship services, it's just something that just is natural to me. And I think it's natural to most people once they give themselves a chance to just experience it. I think for some of us, we tend to be a little self-conscious about how others hear us. So can you kind of explain the difference about what collective worship is versus what people used to worship when they're individuals and not in the more corporate fellowship type setting? Okay, well, again, if you go back to the history of a singing in, in their church fathers, they would gather sometimes during the persecution, even in the uh, caves where they had to hide themselves in the catacombs. 
And their experience in worshiping God was singing to one another. And that's the key. You're singing to God, but you're also singing to one another, teaching one another, admonishing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. And so collectively, when they got together, it was the vehicle by which they, one, gave thanks to God, and two, built each other up. Then when when they lived outside themselves in their homes and in the community, they were at liberty to engage in all sorts of other things. But again, when they got back together, they sang. So you look at the church fathers and their writings about instruments, for example, of the uh, church. They considered it pagan, theizing influence. And the Old Testament is full of physical pictures, a shadow of what we have in Christ, such as circumcision and tithing. The law was written on tablets of stone. But when we come to Christ, it's written on our heart, this covenant. And they really wanted everything to be done in simplicity or worship God in sincerity and truth. And so they said, let's just sing. And that's why, again, a cappella from the cathedral, that's what people thought of when they thought of church worship collectively. It was a cappella singing. And that's what we mean by corporate or collective worship. Come together as a default. We can lift up our voices united, as Paul says, with one voice and one accord giving glory to God. That's something we can do no matter where we live in the world and under what circumstances we may live. A good friend of mine that I travel with when I go overseas, sometimes he goes to China where it's illegal to be a Christian, much less to assemble together. So they have to assemble in hotel rooms, and then the next week it's another home or another hotel room. But when they get together, they can't play, and it, but they can sing. Then they might whisper their songs, but they still sing. And there's a unity collective when they join their voices together. And you lose all self-inhibition then when you do that. It's real binding. It's so easy for us to take for granted in our comfortable Western world the ability to get together and pray and worship. What a privilege. How much more do the people overseas in impoverished or oppressed countries really fully engage in worship in ways that we probably see on a lot more rare of a basis? Well, I haven't had the privilege to travel as much as some people. Been to Chile and worked with the, the Christians there. My daughter currently lives there, married a Chilean, and works with the church down there. Been to Africa, Ghana, uh, Tanzania, Uganda, Kenya several times. I'm going back in December. And when you go over there, you realize what Christianity is at its core. Because when you remove all the elements that the world imposes upon us, and you get there and you just work and worship with people on just a real basic level, it's singing that is the common denominator. And God's word, and of course our prayer. But you get together and wait. I might not know the language in which they're singing, but I'll recognize the tune. Because a lot of the songs they learn come from the States, and they have their own songs they sing as well. But I know what the words are, and I can sing with them, even though it's in English. And there's nothing more refreshing and uplifting and connecting than being with people that have very little clothes, 
hardly any food. When we worship, sometimes it's under a tree. Seriously. If they do have a building, they made it with their own hands, carving out uh, blocks of clay and forming them into bricks, letting them dry in the sun, and then building their own church building. Sometimes it doesn't even have a roof yet. If they do have a roof, it protects them from the rain. But the last thing they could afford was electricity, much less any type of amplification or instruments to play. But what they do do is what they did in the first century. They sing. And there's something about that that until you experience it, you, it's hard to explain the universality of Christianity. They can go into any culture, any monetary system, under any political regime, and it can still flourish and connects people to each other and to their God. We're going to find out more about worship and a cappella singing from Jack Hafer. He represents local Christian men, and their nonprofit group is inviting men, women, and children of all ages to sing 2015, 7 p.m. Saturday, June 6th at Willamette University's Smith Auditorium on State Street in Salem with more information at kpdq.com and also at localchristianmen.com. You're listening to Difference Makers on True Talk 800, and Jack Hafer is in the studio. He is a minister at South Salem Church of Christ on Ewald Avenue Southeast in Salem, and he's also representing Local Christian Men, a nonprofit group that's hosting a great free admission a cappella worship concert we want to invite you to. It's called Sing 2015, Saturday, June 6th, 7 to 9 p.m. at Willamette University's Smith Auditorium. That's located on State Street in Salem with more information at kpdq.com and also at localchristianmen.com. So welcome back, Jack, and thank you for coming here today. Thank you. Earlier on, you were sharing about your experiences. Tell us a little bit about where you grew up in the first place. I'm curious. Well, I moved to Oregon late on the Oregon Trail in 1957. Grew up in the Portland, Hillsboro area, and spent my high school years in eastern Oregon in that metropolitan of called John Day. And then uh, from then, I've been in Seattle area where I studied in the, to prepare for the ministry. So where did you go time. to school? Well, I worked with actually a church that acted as a college, and they prepared their own men. And we had studies uh, four nights a week. Sometimes I had... Uh, Seven, eight, nine studies after working all day long. I would spend two nights, two classes per night, Monday through Friday, and learning Greek, church history, learning to speak, and uh, it was active church as it should be. It sounds and pretty intensive. It was. And uh, did you have to work a full time job simultaneously? That was the hard part because sometimes I'd work all day as a laborer, and then I started my own business to. Uh, take care of myself, and the first chance to sit down would be in my Bible study. And you know, often when you've worked all day and the first time you sit down, you fall asleep. Oh, no. So I would have to sit in the very front row in front of the instructor because I wouldn't fall asleep in front of him. But sure enough, I would. And then I said, well, I would take notes on everything. And then I would fall asleep while I was writing my notes. It was challenging, but uh, we prevailed, thanks to the Lord. Well, thank God for that. So did you grow up in a Christian family? Did you go to church as a child? Certainly. My uh, father and mother, of course, um, 
from that great generation. He served in World War II, uh, had a strong faith, and uh, one of six children. We were all raised from the beginning going to church and worship. But as the most children, when they leave home, um, that faith which they inherited from their family, they start to question. And I went through that, as most people do. Myself as well. Do you think that's natural, or do you think that it's preventable, or a combination of both? Oh, I think it's natural and it's necessary. When we talk about inherited faith, if you were born in the Middle East, what would you be? Middle Eastern? Well, probably a Muslim. And that's just natural, because that's what you would be raised to be. If that's you, what you're surrounded with. If you were born in South America and you were religious, generally you would probably be a Catholic. And so it doesn't make it right. It doesn't make it wrong. Just that's what you were born into. We call that inherited faith. But then you go to church, and then you are indoctrinated in that faith. But it comes a time when you start to question, why do I believe this? That's a scary time, but it's a healthy time, because now your parents' faith becomes your faith. If you ask the right questions and look for the right answers in the right places and seek diligently, you got to seek the Lord because you can't find him if you're not looking for him. He'll, he'll show himself to you, and then you'll have a faith that no one else can take from you. It's yours now. It's an individual faith. And that's why I think it's an important part of our process of our life. So what led to you owning your own faith, Jack Hafer, as opposed to being raised in a church-going Christian family? When did it become yours for real? Well, I was at the University of Oregon, that conservative university down south of us. Is it okay to say that? Absolutely. And like a lot of young men, first time away, I was taken back and perhaps very unprepared for what I found and saw there and what the world had to offer. And it didn't take long before you find yourself compromising some of the values that you were raised with. And then you come to a point of crisis that you have to make a choice. Am I going to follow the world or am I going to examine those values that my parents instilled in me? And I started looking for myself. God, are you there? If you are there, just show me. I need to see you. And he did. And I remember on the bridge crossing over the McKenzie River, 2.30 in the morning, I made a decision. I'm going to serve you, Jesus. I'm going to follow you. And uh, it wasn't too long after that I dropped out of school to study to prepare to be a minister. And here I am. Here you are. So where did you fall in the birth order of six kids that uh, your parents had? The youngest of four boys. I have a sister that's younger than me, so I'm number five. Okay. And uh, my m- mother lost two other children, so there would have been eight. And Lord willing, I'll meet my brother and sister in heaven who have passed before me. I think that's an interesting and exciting concept. H- having lost children that my wife and I were pregnant with before, I can I can relate with that. Anyways, where did you meet your wife in the first place? Well, uh, not surprisingly, I was in Portland at a, speaking for a congregation there in the southeast area, and there she was, and she saw me and made a point to sit in front of me and turn back and introduce herself to me and. 
she asked me out to Bob's Big Boy or Bob's Burgers when they were still around. I remember those. <laughs> and so she said, well, follow me. And she was driving a yellow Volkswagen Super Beetle. She pulled a Yui in the street, and I all I had to do, it took everything in me to keep up with her. I said, this girl's my kind of girl. She drives like I do. <laughs> Pedal to the metal. <laughs> That's right. But she's been a strong woman of faith and uh, been a great uh, partner in life and couldn't have done anything without her. So how long after this Bob's Burger date of yours did it become to the point where you thought, hmm, this might be marriage potential? Well... That night, I haven't shared this with a lot of people, just the way she's looking at me, and then I know the way it felt. I said, if I asked you to marry me right tonight, you'd say yes, wouldn't you? And I was shocked. Actually, I even said that first time I met this Was, it the, was this it on your first get-together at the Bob's first Burger place? Night. Are you serious? Yes. And she just and looked, friends, we're not exactly encouraging you to immediately propose marriage to someone that you had just met. However, I've seen it work. It wasn't a proposal. It was a question. Oh, it, was a, it was a what if scenario. Yeah, if I did, you would, wouldn't you? I was putting the onus on her, and she just smiled at me. So that's where it all Man, began. Man, why did you speak about that? <laughs> so I'm curious. Eight months later, we were married. So, wow. Yeah. And wouldn't look back. So and now I'm just trying to get her to travel with me overseas because I know she would enjoy it a lot. And I know it's harsh, and uh, lifestyles are a lot different, but sure. Um, I'm sure she would enjoy that. So share about the rest of your family, the kids that you've had. Talk about South Salem Church of Christ. Was there anything else that you did before you ended up there? Well, I, I spent some time in California working there, and then, of course, 14 years in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, in the Panhandle. <laughs> I remember one time... I got a call from uh, the New York Press, and they wanted to talk to uh, the pastor of the Church of Christ Christian. And I said, well, I think you have the wrong number. And what they were looking for is uh, Reverend Butler of the Aryan Nation, because that's when they were uh, bombing the courthouse there and. Coeur d'Alene, and they confused me with him, of course. And so, um, how did how did that happen? That sad case of mistaken identity yeah, to well, the extreme. Well, that would be on the negative mistaken identity. And just even this morning, someone's oh Jack Hayford, and sometimes I get mistaken for the evangelist there in California. But no, I need to specify this is Jack Hayford, spelled H A F E R. That's Jack capital H A F E R. No relation to Jack Hayford. Correct. Thank you. But they sound they sound so close if you say it quickly. Right. So, but they've been here for the last 12, uh, 14 years now in Salem. And it's been a great work with the people, a wonderful congregation there in South Salem, a real true family. Uh, we've doubled in size over the last uh, many years. And uh, we've taken on another preacher to work together with me. And so uh, we're looking forward to the Lord blessing us with a lot of opportunities to spread his word. So when we return, let's find out more about South Salem Church of Christ. And they have a website you can check out at southsalemchurch.com. And don't forget about Sing 2015 returning to Willamette University's Smith Auditorium on State Street in Salem from 7 to 9 p.m. on Saturday, June 6th. It's an absolutely free event. We want you to come on out and sing some of the great timeless and ageless hymns of our era 
And principal song leader will be Tom T-Bone McGowan. Yet again, with more information at localchristianmen.com. That's localchristianmen.com. Welcome back to Difference Makers on True Talk 800, welcoming Jack Hayford to our studio. He's a minister at South Salem Church of Christ on Ewald Avenue Southeast in Salem, and he's also representing Local Christian Men. Local Christian Men is a nonprofit group that's hosting an absolutely free a cappella sing-along concert we'd like to invite you to. It'll be in Salem at Willamette University's Smith Auditorium on State Street, Saturday, June 6th from 7 to 9 p.m. Sing 2015 features the principal song leader, Tom T-Bone McGowan, coming down from Seattle. So thank you for stopping by today, Jack. Hope you're having a good time so far. I am. It's just a pleasure to be here. And when we talk about that sing, I might just add that local Christian men, that's who we are uh, serving Christ in this area and that's what you'll find when you come to sing. And if I can, I'll just share a little what will happen if you choose to show up. And I encourage you to do so. Yeah, and just, just to specify, Local Christian Men is the name of the nonprofit group, which is non-denominational. And it's uniting men of different congregations and who just love Christ and who want to serve the local community. However, everyone, men, women, children, old, young— Come on out to Sing 2015, and you're going to have a great time. I'm glad you made that point, because sometimes people think, well, is this for men only? Well, just no. just by the nature of your name, Local Christian yeah. Men, I can understand being a little confusing at points. Thank you. Yeah. But when you come, you'll find people of all different ages, and uh, hopefully there'll be nearly a 1,000 people this year. And uh, you'll be helped seated, and if you n- need handicap seating, that's available uh, there'll be a large screen in front where we're going to project all the songs and all the lyrics, and that's all you'll have on stage except to have a song leader. So you can leave your hardcover hymnal at home. That's right. Because they're going to be up on the big screen. And they'll be in four-part harmony, so if you want to sing alto or soprano or bass or tenor, you're w- welcome to do that. And that adds well, to that's the beauty really of it all. So, so for, for those of us used to the more mainstream churches where we have the lyrics up but no notes. What a special added treat to be able to have the different parts up there for those of us who could read music or would want to harmonize. And again, it's stirring when you hear that. And you could go to localchristiansmen.com and you'll find some uh, tracks from previous sings on there and you could get an idea of what you'll expect to find this uh, coming June 6th. Okay, so you're on a desert island. And you've got a CD player, and you can have a, uh, 10 CDs with you. What are your absolute all-time favorite hymns, Jack Hafer? Oh, that's a tough one. Yeah. Is, that, is that too small a number? Yeah, because it's probably where I am in the moment in my life and who I'm with, it will determine that. We sing at the sing... Uh, those Christian favorites, those timeless songs. So I love all those. So let's um, elaborate on that for our audience's sake. What, what's what's the typical song list? And I, you brought some CDs with you so you can read on down. Well, this would be uh, from Sing 2013 because we're professionally recording them now. And, and people buy them just to share with others. I'll tell you this story, this lady from Forest Grove. If you're listening, ma'am, I'm so... so I've told your story over and over. She's probably in her 80s, and she heard about this thing after the fact. And she called up Marvin, 7 in the morning, said, Oh, I missed this thing, and, and I heard you had CDs, and 
I was just wondering if, did you have trust and obey on it? Because that was important to her. That's what she grew up on. This Sing 2013 has Our God, He is Alive, uh, Trust and Obey, Marching to Zion. When I survey the cross, you know, why did my Savior come to earth? Well, Marvin said, well, of course. And uh, in fact, I got it on my computer. I'll play the track. So he puts her on this speakerphone. You have to get this. Turns on his speakers really loud. Plays Trust and Obey. This is 7 in the morning. And she starts singing to the top of her voice on the speaker voice with the computer. Then after it's done, she's that was amazing. Do you have another one? So he played three songs entirety before she was done. And then he sent her a free CD afterwards. I was about to ask you. <laughs> Good job, Marvin Stadley of yeah. Local Christian Men. And will you be recording again this year at Sing 2015, Jack Haver? Yes, and again, it's you there and want to come and sing and lift up one voice in unison. Uh, you will be recorded. You're part of the audience. You're part of the performers. And uh, and we, we use the proceeds just to support the event because it costs a lot of money to rent the building, buy insurance, and things like that. Sure. You need to be able to get into a place large enough where not only you can fit enough bodies in the building— but where the acoustics will be good and where you'll have the big screen. So you'll be able to put not only the song lyrics, but the notes broken down into different parts. Exactly. And we, one of the favorite things people like is we do a song history and we feature some of the writers. And um, sometimes it's women who wrote, have written some wonderful gospel hymns. And we'll give a little history of who they were and, and what prompted the writing of this particular song. Then we'll sing it, of course. And, uh, so we do those kind of things. That's favorite to people. And, of course, we always close with Just As I Am. It's always a favorite where people... It was a song that was led when I first obeyed Christ. And so it resonates and has a deep place in my heart as well. And in that, the Christ message, come just as you are. I think all of us probably have a very select handful of songs that will always stand out and make us... Stop and take pause and thank God for what he's done in our lives through some of this wonderful music. Certainly. And we call these timeless and ageist hymns. That's what we concentrate on. But every old song was a new song at one time. So the new songs that are being written are just as wonderful. And they will become timeless in the next generation. They'll be those old classics that they'll love to sing. So what are some of your favorite newer songs? I'm curious, Jack Hafer. Oh, uh, do any stand out in your in your ears or your eyes? Uh, we have a supplement book that we use that has a lot of the contemporary songs that we uh, 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 sing, and some of our songer leader, younger song leaders, excuse me, uh, will lead those. I love the songs. I love the lyrics. They speak to the heart and the relationship we have with Christ. You asked me to name one of them, I couldn't give you the title. <laughs> Isn't that sad? Well, you know, maybe that's a positive, though, because nowadays we put people on pedestals. We often don't mean to, but whether it's people in the media or sports stars or musicians or pastors, evangelists, and yes, worship leaders, too. We can put them on pedestals to a degree where our eyes aren't exactly on God as much as his vessel, and that's just wrong. So the fact that you can't remember any of these names probably means your eyes are in the right place. Well, I appreciate it. Nice save. Appreciate that. <laughs> and that. Isn't that our goal? We have to be transparent. 
if I, you never remember who I am, but you remember the message I shared with you, Jesus Christ, that's a success. If I get in the way and you remember anything about me, I probably hindered the gospel of Christ. Which is not to say that we're, we're not born differently and that God's wired us with different strengths, because he has. But somewhere down the line, we are either pointing toward Jesus or pointing toward ourselves. And, and I want to make sure that for me personally, I'm always constantly checking my spirit and saying, okay, why am I doing what, am I, what I'm doing right now? Exactly. And that goes back to, again, why we personally speak, sing a cappella. Uh, Jesus was interesting. He walked as a man on this earth, subject to all the temptations that we are faced with. But, of course, we know without sin. And I'm always looking, what helped you overcome? Because he didn't invoke divine powers to overcome temptation. He walked as you and I. And one of the interesting uh, statements that he made in John chapter 5 was, um, I always do the things that are pleasing the Lord. (laughs) Now, if you said that, or if I came on the air and said that, you said, what an arrogant guy. Always do the things that are pleasing the Lord. And he says, because I never act on my own initiative. So, well, I think that's the key. You never act on your own authority. You always yield and bend the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because isn't that our battle? Who's going to be the God of our life? It's either me or Jesus Christ. And that's how he was able to maintain his purity and his righteousness, even at the, before the cross. We all know that uh, struggle he had in the garden when he said, let this cup pass from me, because he didn't want to die. He was asking to get out of it three times. But nevertheless, he said, let your will be done. It's not about me. Let your will be done, not my own. And may we not be about ourselves at this upcoming a cappella concert, Sing 2015, but really about praising God together and worshiping him. It'll be from 7 to 9 p.m. Saturday, June 6th at Willamette University's Smith Auditorium on State Street in Salem. Find out more at kpdq.com. You could get a breakdown of different songs. You could hear samples of old Sing events. And find out more about not only Sing 2015, but about the group Local Christian Men at their website. That's localchristianmen.com. Thanks so much for joining us on Difference Makers on True Talk 800 with our very special guest, Jack Hafer. He is one of the ministers at South Salem Church of Christ on Ewald Avenue in Salem, and he's also a part of Local Christian Men, a nonprofit group of, well, local Christian men. And they're inviting men, women, children, old, young, everybody to a free a cappella concert. It's free. Absolutely free. Free admission. Bring nothing, not a zip zilch, just yourself and your voice, and maybe friends who are curious to sing 2015. 7 to 9 p.m. Saturday, June 6th at Willamette University's Smith Auditorium. That's on State Street in Salem. More information on that at kpdq.com and also at localchristianmen.com. So, Jack, I've actually really enjoyed listening to your teaching and your preaching on your church's website, which is southsalemchurch.com, and invite our listeners to do that as well. But with this Sing 2015 event coming, I want to ask you, how does singing unite us in a way that nothing else does? Well, of course, when we look at uh, Christ's prayer, John 17, you know, he prayed that, that those that would believe because of the teachings of the apostles, he, that's praying for you and me. When we've heard the, the words of the apostles that have been left to us through the Bible, 
Jesus prayed that we might be one. Just as the Father and Him are one. Uh, God in us and us in Him. And He says the reason is because I that the world might believe that Thou didst send me. So it's interesting that when we're united, we send a message to the world that Jesus truly is Lord and King. When we're divided, we send the opposite message. Um, Bob McCann, who I travel with overseas, he tells this wonderful story when the Soviet Union fell, the walls. A lot of missionary people flocked over there. And when he went himself, he tells the story, this fellow asked him in his thick accent, you know, who are you? What are you doing? Well, I'm preaching the gospel. So, oh, you Americans. One comes over here from the Methodists. They teach us one thing and another Lutheran teaches another thing. You go home and you decide what the Bible says and agree on it. Then come back here and teach us. And I go, wow. That's quite a statement, isn't it? And you say, well, the divisions don't matter. Yeah, they were all really the same. Well, the world doesn't see it that way. And God wants us to be united. Christians and Christians only. And it's his word that will unite us. Unite us. And something like singing, as simple as it is, as we lift one voice, we cross, all barriers are dropped, and it doesn't matter your economic status, your ethnic status, we can all sing and praise God together. And there's this connection you can get in no other way. I might not be able to play an instrument. I might not be able to sing well. When I go to these other countries in Africa, they cannot duplicate what we do in some of the big churches here in America. They can't. And if that's the way we're going to promote marketing Christ, and this is really what it's turned into is marketing Christ, rather than just trying to transform hearts, it's going to fall on his face. Because over there, all they can do is hear the word and then respond. And they can respond in singing and praying and obedience to Christ, but that's all they have. They don't have all the... Uh, wonderful blessings we have because of our prosperity here in America. And uh, it unites us. It's a beautiful thing, singing. Come try it. So when in your, in your youth did you figure this out? When did it click? What was the light bulb moment that really showed you how much singing unites us as a body in Christ? Well, it's probably a process, first of all, just um, looking at, well, if, if, if Jesus is Lord and he said, I am the way, the truth, and life. Why are we so divided sometimes? And so you start looking for the answers of where the division starts from, and then what's the solution? And the solution is, again, looking to the Word and following the Word and the Word only. And we've added so much. It's sort of like your, your mobile phone. Do you have a lot of apps you put on it? And pretty soon your phone gets so sluggish, it won't work, and you just have to just do a default restore and start all over and get rid of all those add-ons. Have we done that maybe in the name of Christianity? A lot of add-ons, a lot of additions and preferences. And so when you do that search, you realize there's some core things that God asks us to do. Let's do those and do those only collectively and we'll be united. It's only when people want to impose their preferences that we end up divided. If we just follow Christ and follow his word, you know, in them faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of Christ. If you can't read it, I don't know if you have a right to believe it. Where did it come from if it's not in the word? We have a lot of distractions nowadays. So Jack Hafer, as a minister at South Salem Church of Christ, 
What's your best advice for those of us who might be a little, as you said, filled up with the number of apps we have in our spiritual head? Well, that's a great question. And it's interesting. The only person that is, if for sake of lack of better words, qualified to come to Christ is a broken person. And that means someone that's humble and contrite. They've come to a point in their life, they realize, I can't do this on my own. I need help. I've tried. And I need you, Jesus. And I need you, God, in my life. And when they come to that point, then they start searching and reaching out to him. And the only way you're going to find the Father is through the Son. And the only way you're going to know the Son is through what he's spoken. He said, if you abide in my word, you shall truly be disciples of mine. And you shall know the truth, and the truth will set you free. So that would be my first suggestion. You start getting your head in the Word. And if you don't understand it, connect with someone that can help guide you. I'm not going to ever tell you what to, to believe. That's your job. But I can guide you to the right answers in the Scripture, and you can read it for yourself. Don't believe anything anyone tells you. Don't believe me. Don't believe your preacher. Don't believe anyone. Find out for yourself. People say, well, ah, that sounds radical. <laughs> I think it sounds healthy because it, it encourages you to know why you believe what you believe. And if you're following a charismatic speaker, your faith will only go so far as he or she is going to be on track. And God forbid they trip or they fall. Exactly. Is your faith going to stumble as a result of the person you put on a pedestal? Exactly. And we see that happening a lot. And so it has to be in Jesus Christ. And because as 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 humans in the earth, we preach a perfect gospel, but we all fail to live to it, up to it perfectly. And we have to give each other grace as God has given us grace, but still look to the master because he's our example. And I think something else that's healthy for me, Jack Hafer, is reminding myself that I'm not there. I'm not there. I love God. I know he's saved me. I know I'm nothing without him, and I know he's given me great and wonderful opportunities that I'm very thankful for. However, I'm not fully there, and I won't be till I get to heaven someday. Not that I want to rush that, because I'm selfish. I want some of the things down on this earth, God willing. I want to dance with my daughters at their weddings. I want to play with grandkids, that, that yes. kind of thing. And I realize it's all selfish, and we're not promised tomorrow. I've got some wonderful people who are so much better at what I do than I am who are out of work. I've got people, I've got friends who all they want to do is be missionaries and bring eyeglasses to kids in other countries and their cancers returned. And I don't have all the answers and I'm not owed all the answers either. But for those of us who may have been in the church for a while, do you have any specific verses or books of the Bible that would say, you know what, if you haven't cracked open this book recently, you really need to remind yourself of these things. What are your suggestions for those of us who may be, have been Christians for so long that we do take things for granted, and we, we can fall into ruts. Well, boy, that's a, a great observation. Um, again, I think it's our prosperity in the States that so seduces us to be involved uh, in the world. It has been said that when a Christian starts looking more like the world, they look less like Christ. And our battle is finding balance between uh, enjoying the blessings of this land and not being caught up in them. So you have to go back to the, just the teachings of Christ and the gospel. You know, he says, seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you. Don't lay up treasures on this earth. Now, sometimes people take that and say, well, I, I can't enjoy the blessings of the earth. No, 
you lay up treasures in heaven, and how you do that's another discussion. Then when the blessings come on this earth, you can enjoy them. But you don't set any hope on them. You're not seeking them. But when they come, you can enjoy them for what they are. Because isn't that what the wise men said in Ecclesiastes? That the blessing of our work is to enjoy the fruit of our labor. And God never wants us to feel guilty for that, but to enjoy it. But we work to live and we work to give. And so I work in this United States and I have an income and I use it to support my family, and but also to help others. So that's why we go to overseas, give glasses. But it's not the only thing we do in this world. And one of those things that you're doing is Sing 2015, an absolutely free admission acapella sing-along concert, Saturday, June 6th from 7 to 9 p.m. at Willamette University's Smith Auditorium on State Street in Salem. So, Jack, tell us what you're looking forward to at Sing 2015 in particular. Well, you never know what's going to happen, but we'd like to have a thousand people and just to see that experience of a thousand voices singing uh, songs of praise to God and encouraging one another and getting people to experience just the power of singing uh, without instruments where you're being entertained like so many worship services have gone to. They're spectators and they're being entertained to be actively involved and being built up because of that. Uh, I'm hoping people have that chance to experience it. And we want to reach out to those in the community that they, I have a whole stack of cards here of response cards. People this, uh, wow, that was the most wonderful event. We haven't sang songs for years and, and we want people to know you can do this. There's places where you can worship and they are singing and just come out and join us. That's Sing 2015, Willamette University's Smith Auditorium, State Street in Salem, 7 to 9 p.m. Saturday, June 6th, with more information at kpdq.com. Thank you so much, Jack Hafer, for being our very special guest today. And if you'd like more information on the nonprofit group that's hosting the event, Local Christian Men, find out at their website, localchristianmen.com. Everyone's invited to Sing 2015, men, women, children alike. Find out more information at localchristianmen.com. It's been a real pleasure being here. Thank you. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.